Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. And we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. It's been a very, very busy day. And we know the 38th annual African World Festival is coming up this weekend at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, Friday, August 20th through Sunday, August 22nd. I was talking to Mama Njia Kai uh, this evening. It's going to be a fantastic festival. And you know, the African History Network will be there all three days. We'll have a vendor booth in the Peck Park area of the festival. So everyone's looking forward to that. All right. Well, on today's show, uh, you know, we've been talking about the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. You know, uh, I reported about how it passed the House of Representatives back on March 3rd, 2021, by a vote of 220 to 212, 220 to 212. And uh, no Republicans in the House of Representatives voted for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act after many of them talked about how it was so wrong what happened to George Floyd and it shouldn't have happened and Officer Derek Chauvin was wrong but when it came time to put your money where your mouth is uh, and well you know that's a bad analogy some of them we don't know where their mouth's been but anyway <laughs> but anyway um, but when it came time to put up a shut up uh, they didn't vote for the bill None of the Republicans in the House of Representatives voted for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. And you remember back in May 2021, um, we talked about it here on this show. Representative James Clyburn, people were uh, atta attacking Representative James Clyburn. And he said that if you can't come to an agreement on qualified immunity, because it passed the House of Representatives, and is being negotiated in the Senate. Senator uh, Tim Scott, Black Tea Party Republican from South Carolina, is negotiating with Representative Karen Bass of California and Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey. Right, and, and Tim Scott is negotiating on behalf of the Republicans because it takes 60 votes to pass the bill, okay? It doesn't take 50, 50 votes plus a, plus a uh, 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 a one vote tiebreaker it takes 60 votes to pass the bill it's understanding math so you had people who were saying that um representative uh, J uh james clyburn uh he actually made comments saying that if you can't come to an agreement on qualified immunity take qualified immunity out of the deal and pass the bill without qualified immunity come back and get qualified immunity later all right and people were attacking them tamika mallory and the activists were attacking them and saying how could you say that things like this i said he was correct i said look if you can't first of all qualified immunity is not the most important thing in the bill that's hr 1280 go to congress.gov and reach our read hr 1280 okay i said it then this was this article came out may 9 2021 Washington Post, Representative Clyburn says qualified immunity doesn't have to be part of the police and reform bill. He wants to revoke qualified immunity, but he's saying if you can't come to an agreement on qualified immunity, don't hold the bill up 
take qualified immunity out, get the rest of that stuff passed in the bill, come back and get qualified immunity later. Well, that well, that was May 9th, 2021. May, June, July, August. We're all we're four months. This that was four months ago. The bill still hasn't been passed. So then I, I saw a story today from thegrio.com that talks about um it is it the qualified immunity reportedly will not be included in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Okay. Uh, the Griot has, has this article here. George Floyd Policing Act will reportedly not include uh, will, will, will not include scrapping qualified immunity. OK, changes of qualified immunity, which protects bad officers, have little chance of making it into the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Well, this is what I said back in May. It has little chances of making it into the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. As negotiations, as the as the negotiations for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act continue in Congress, there are emerging reports that changes to qualified immunity have little to no chance of making it into the final bill. Why? Because you need 60 votes. What does that mean? That means you need 10 Republicans to vote to repeal qualified immunity. You're not going to get 10 Republicans to do that. You couldn't even get 10 Republicans to vote for the American, the one point nine trillion dollar American rescue plan. And that was going to help a lot of poor white people who voted to put them in office in the first place. You couldn't even get 10, 10 Republicans for that. You think, you think they're going to repeal qualified immunity and allow the police unions endorse them in the first place? I said, you, I don't know what type of medicinal marijuana you're using. That's not happening. So as we find out today, scrapping, you know, qualified immunity is, is appears it's not going to be in the bill. We'll talk some about this. I said four months ago, pass the bill, take qualified immunity out and pass the bill, come back and get that later. That was May. Okay, it's August and the bill hasn't passed and the Senate is on recess until September 13th. The Senate is the U.S. Senate is not in session now. The Senate is on recess. Okay, until September 13th. So we'll. We'll discuss this and we're going to review what is actually in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, because, like I said before, qualified immunity is not the most important thing. That's just what's talked about in the media a lot. That's not the most important thing in the bill. Um, day two, day, day one, day one of the R. Kelly trial took place today. Very, very interesting trial. Some emotional testimony from um geronda pace who was 16 years old uh she said that the first time she had sex with r kelly allegedly we know this was um one of his former girlfriends she's now 28 years old uh we'll, we'll talk about uh opening statements and some of the testimony that took place today in day one of the R. Kelly trial. This is taking place in uh, in uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. And the charges is not dealing with, um, we, we know the trial that took place years ago, that was dealing with um, pornography or child pornography, something like that. This, th these are different charges here. Uh, these charges deal with 
uh, violations of the Mann Act. It deals with uh, conspiracy. So it's uh, a number of different charges. Um, R. Kelly was charged in July 2019 with racketeering based on sexual exploitation of children, kidnapping, forced labor, and Mann Act violations. Charges, the Mann Act deals with charges involving the coercion and transportation of women and girls in interstate commerce, interstate commerce, to engage in illegal sexual activity, according to a uh, Department of Justice news release. So we'll talk some about um, the trial, opening statements, testimony today. And will African-American women be believed this time? Will African-American women be believed this time? Because I've said before, I'll say it again. If R. Kelly's victims or alleged victims, if they were white women, if he was outside allegedly of a high school talking to 15, 16, 17 year old white girls, uh, this would have stopped a long time ago. This, this, this would, this would have stopped a long time ago. The only reason why this has been able to go on so long, whatever it is, is because these were black girls and black women and largely no one cares when black women and black girls are sexually abused, exploited, whatever it is, generally speaking. Um, then Senator Raphael Warnock of Georgia. Senator Raphael Warnock, um, hours before the special Senate runoff election in Georgia was called for the Reverend Raphael Warnock, um, that January 6th special election. The, the election was called in the early hours of January 6th, 2021. Edward Florea went on the conservative social media platform called Parler. We have a lot of white supremacists and confused Negroes on that social media platform, Parler, right? Um, Edward, uh, Edward Florea went on that social media platform and he wrote, quote, Warnock is going to have a hard time casting votes for communist policies, for communist policies when he's swinging with the fish. This is, this is what he was. He, he threatened Reverend Raphael Warnock on the social media platform parlor. Proud Boy supporter, Edward Florea. Well, now Edward Florea, uh, little Eddie, is facing up to 15 years in prison for making those threats prosecutors announced uh, on Monday, uh, August 16th. The 41-year-old from Queens pleaded guilty to one count of transmitting threats to injure and one count of possessing ammunition after having been convicted of a felony. We're going to talk about this story here and the threats, the threat on the life of then Reverend Raphael Warnock, who won uh, 
the election, beat Kelly Loeffler twice. And Reverend Raphael Warnock, Senator Raphael Warnock is up for re-election in 2022 because he was finishing out the last two years of a Senate seat. Okay, he was finishing out the last two years of a Senate seat. And we know that the uh, Senate Bill uh, 202 has uh, passed in the Georgia State Legislature, backed by dark money, signed into law by idiotic Governor Brian Kemp, who stole uh, an election from an African-American woman named uh, Stacey Abrams in 2018. And Republicans are trying to take back the Senate seat. Now, there's rumors that um, uh, Herschel Walker is going to run for the Senate seat. I hope he does, because Herschel Walker is so stupid. I would love to see that. I'd love to see Herschel Walker run for Senate, for run for U.S. Senate and make a damn fool out of himself. I'd love to see that. Donald Trump is trying to get Herschel Walker to run. But they want this Senate seat back because they think it's theirs. So we'll discuss that also. Then, you know, yesterday we talked about how in Florida, one school district in Florida, there are uh, 8,000 students and about 300 staff and administrators that have to uh, quarantine. Now, not all of them have coronavirus, but they have to quarantine because of possible exposure to coronavirus. It was a story from uh, the Washington Post, more than 8,000 Florida students, talked about this yesterday, more than 8,000 Florida students uh, isolate or quarantine because of a school district's COVID-19 spike. All right, you remember the story from yesterday. Well, um, I saw a story uh, right before coming on the air dealing with Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Mississippi. Over 20,000 Mississippi students in COVID quarantine after first week of school. <laughs> Say it ain't so. Over 20,000. Now, it's not saying all 20,000 students have COVID, but it's like, wait a second, hold on. The parents are trying to get them out the house. Now the students are back in the house and they could have COVID. We're going to deal with this on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 a.m. the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted, empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our story, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African American talk radio. 
Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Wednesday, August 18th, 2021, and we are live. I want to remind you that the 38th annual African World Festival is coming up uh, at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History. Uh, this is coming up Friday, uh, August 20th through uh, Sunday, August uh, 22nd, Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History. And we also know that Detroit uh, Rocks the Runway is uh, taking place also at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History on Friday, August 20th. That's 8.30 p.m. Detroit Rocks the Runway, the uh, fashion show, which is part of the 38th Annual African World Festival. All right, and we'll have a vendor booth there all three days. We'll be in the Peck Park area of uh, the festival. So come check us out. I have my DVD lectures there. Uh, we'll be registering people for uh, online courses uh, also. You can come talk to me. And we'll put post the, the information on our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. All right, now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you've been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship. Uh, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, let's jump into this first story here. Talked about it a little bit before the break. This is dealing with uh, an update on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Now, back in May, and I said this on this show, some of you may have remembered it. I, I said it on Roland Martin Unfiltered also, um, usually a panelist on each Friday. I said uh, people were commenting about what uh, Representative James Clyburn of um, South Carolina uh, said in the interview. I agreed with them. Understanding, understanding negotiating in the Senate and what you're dealing with and understanding the fact that you need 60 votes in the Senate to get the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed. And there are only 50 Democrats, which means you need 10 Republicans and no Republicans in the House of Representatives voted for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act March 3rd, 2021. When it passed the House of Representatives, 220 to 212, 212 Republicans voted against it. You had one Republican that voted for it. He did it by accident and he put out a tweet saying he voted by accident. He was going to change his vote. Rep Representative James Clyburn says qualified immunity doesn't have to be part of policing reform bill. This was May 9th, 2021. House, uh, House Majority Whip James E. Clyburn suggested Sunday that he would be willing to support policing reform legislation, even if it did not end qualified immunity. The legal doctrine that shields individual officers from lawsuits he said i will never sacrifice good on the altar of perfect 
You don't give up a good bill because it's not perfect. That's stupid. You pass this bill, you come back and get the rest later. Clyburn said on CNN stated CNN State of the Union, he said, I would never sacrifice good on the altar of perfect. I just won't do that. He's I said back then, he's correct, and he's still correct. If you actually if see, I don't know. I've actually been involved in writing public policy for the city of Detroit. So my perspective is different. I've actually been involved in writing public policy. Most people haven't. So they operate in a world that ain't realistic. When you got to negotiate this stuff, it, it, none of these bills are going to be perfect. Nobody gets everything that they want. Quote, I know what the perfect bill will be. We have proposed that. I want to see good legislation. And I know that sometimes you have to compromise. Absolutely. Especially when you need 10 Republicans to vote for the bill. If we don't get qualified immunity now, then we will come back and try to get it later. If we don't get qualified immunity now, then we come back and try to get it later. But I don't want to see us throw out a good bill because we can't get a perfect bill. All right. Now, so that was May. This article came out May 9th, 2021. Well, let's look at this here. Four months later, May, June, July, August, when August, the Senate does not come back from recess till September 13th. So the earliest this bill can pass is September 13th, but Senator Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, said as soon as they come back, the first thing they're going to take up is the voting rights bill once again. So this probably ain't going to, they probably won't deal with this September 13th. They'll probably deal with it in September, but it probably won't be September 13th because a new voting rights bill, uh, Representative uh, Terry Sewell of Alabama introduced that. We'll talk We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. Okay, I was going to try to squeeze it in today, but it's just so much. So we'll deal with that on tomorrow's show. Um, so that's not going to happen September 13th. George Floyd Policing Act will reportedly not include scrapping qualified immunity. This is August 18, 2021, by Biba Adams for thegrill.com. As the negotiations for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act continue in Congress, there are emerging reports that changes to qualified immunity have little to no chance of making it in the final bill. I told you that before. Qualified immunity protects government officials from lawsuits that allege the individual violated a plaintiff's rights as it relates to police. It protects officers' personal assets, including their pensions, from being awarded in lawsuits. So, so, so you think, so Republicans who were the party of law and order, at least until Donald Trump tried to overthrow the government, they backed the blue until the coup. That's what happened. Republicans backed the blue until the coup. And then you had these traitorous Republicans in the House of Representatives that turned their back on the very Capitol Police that saved their worthless lives. They backed the boot, they backed the blue until the coup. Now, as it relates to police, it protects officers' personal assets, including their pensions, from being awarded in lawsuits. Instead, lawsuits related to the violation of rights by police officers usually name their municipalities as defendants. So usually you can sue the police department. Okay. Uh, so, so what they're saying is, is uh, with, if you uh, 
strip away qualified immunity, then you can actually sue the police officer. Okay, but it's a civil lawsuit. It's not a criminal lawsuit. It's a civil lawsuit. Now, the other thing that's going to happen if you strip away qualified immunity, you know what's going to happen next. What's going to happen is that insurance companies, insurance companies are going to start selling police liability insurance. Okay, because if insurance companies are selling uh, health insurance for your dog, your dog or your cat, pet insurance. You think they're going to give up selling police liability insurance to 800,000 law enforcement officers? Of course, they're going to sell police liability insurance to them. So that's what happened if they strip away qualified immunity. I'm going to show you briefly what's in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, because as I said back in May and as I said in June and as I said in July and as I said in August, Qualified immunity is not the most important thing in the bill. That's just what people know the most about because they haven't read the damn bill. Go to congress.gov and read H.R. 1280, the 117th Congress, congress.gov. So 10 House Democrats wrote a letter uh, to House and Senate leadership voicing their concern about ensuring the removal of the doctrine from the act, from the bill. P per CBS News, they wrote in part, quote, as negotiations continue, know this, there can be no true justice in America if we cannot save lives, just like there can be no true accountability in America if we do not end, if we do not eliminate, if we do not eliminate qualified immunity. Maintaining and strengthen, strengthening the provision that would eliminate qualified immunity once and for all would put us on a path towards true accountability and, and help in the systemic and systematic harm that has long been perpetuated by American policing, end quote, okay? So I agree with moving quali removing qualified immunity, but you don't have to get everything in one bill. Get what you can get past now. Come back and try to get that later. As of now, the bill is stuck. It's four months later. And the earliest you can pass it is September 13th. Progressives support, progressives support the end of qualified immunity, but Republicans have been standing firm in their opposition to that point in the, in the act. Not only that, police unions have been putting pressure on Republicans not to remove qualified immunity. Because you need because you need 60 votes. This is why in the 2022 midterm election, you got to vote more Republicans out of office in the Senate and vote like the right type of Democrat, not Democrats like Joe Manchin or Kristen Sinema. You have to vote the right type in the office so you can get past 51 votes. You can get closer if you get like 54, 55. You can change the filibuster. Because even if Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin defect, you still have 53 votes and you can change the filibuster in, in, uh, in the Senate. And then you can go from needing 60 votes to pass a lot of these bills down to 51, a simple majority. But even if you need 60 votes, that still is going to come from voting Republicans out of office and voting the right type of Democrat or independent in the office, in the Senate.
Um, now, according to a report from Politico, three sources familiar with the matter said alterations to the legal doctrine are, are no longer under, under consideration. Get the bill passed. Come to an agreement. Get this bill passed. Now, the lead negotiators of the bill, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey and Representative Karen Bass of California have missed several deadlines uh, they, set, they set for their group, but discussions are ongoing. Now, Carolyn uh, Adderick, a uh, spokesperson for Senator Tim Scott, said in a statement that the senator will stay at the negotiating table as long as progress is being made and that negotiators will continue to work through August toward August 2021 while the Senate's on recess, work through August finding an agreement. Okay, finding an agreement. Now, the crew, um, according to a report from the Griot's April Ryan earlier this summer, House Majority Whip Representative James Clyburn of South Carolina, South Carolina stepped in to assist with negotiations earlier this summer. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison said Representative James, Cly Representative James Clyburn was doing everything possible to help the negotiators uh, get to a good place. Uh, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison served as a special prosecutor in the trial of Derek Chauvin um, in the murder of George Floyd. President Joe Biden has expressed frustration about the slow pace at which several key civil rights bills have moved toward passage. In addition to the Justice and Policing Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the For the People Act are delayed with no passage yet in sight. Okay, now they just, I think they just finished writing the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Act. They, they're coming back with a, a, a slimmed down um, Voting Rights Act. And that's what Representative uh, uh, Terry Sewell was introducing and um, Senator Raphael Warnock and Senator uh, Joe Manchin in the Senate are working on a narrow down Voting Rights Act also. Now, um, the, the crucial pieces of legislation will critically impact African-American and Hispanic communities, which were key in securing uh, the White House for Democrats in flipping states like Georgia and Arizona to blue. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act would lower the criminal standard, the criminal intent standard from willful intent, from willful to willful intent to rec, uh, to reckless, uh, uh, from willful to knowing or reckless, from willful intent down to knowing or reckless, which is the willful intent basically goes to state of mind. You have to prove the, at the federal level to be able to prosecute um, police officers for civil rights violations. Because at the federal level, if, if so, say for instance, if um, uh, an officer kills somebody unjustly and they're charged at the federal level, the only thing you could charge them with at the federal level is um, a civil rights violation, okay? Depriving someone of the civil rights. So you have to prove the way it is now, you have to prove willful intent. You have to prove that the officer willfully intended to deprive someone of their civil rights, which goes to state of mind. It's a very high bar to reach. 
the bar is not to prove that they actually did deprive someone of the civil rights. You have to prove willful intent. You have to prove that they willfully intended to do it, which is hard to do. If you lower that down to uh, just recklessness, you can charge a lot more officers and get a lot more officers convicted. That's at the federal level because the majority of the control of policing is not at the federal level, it's at the state and local level. And that's the Tenth Amendment and states' rights, Tenth Amendment, the U.S. Constitution, the states' rights, things like this. So the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act would lower the criminal intent standard from willful to knowing or reckless to convict a law enforcement officer uh, for misconduct in a federal prosecution, limit uh, qualified immunity as a defense to liability in a uh, private civil action against a law enforcement officer and grant administrative subpoena power to the Department of Justice in pattern or practice investigations, all right? The act aims to, dec to increase accountability for law enforcement misconduct, restrict the use of certain policing practices, enhance transparency and data collection, and establish best practices and training requirements. So let's, let's look at this fact sheet here. This is from uh, House.gov. House.gov is the official website of the U.S. House of Representatives. House.gov, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020. Let's look at this fact sheet. Let's look at what's in the bill. Well, I've showed you this before, and there's, I think it's like nine parts to the bill. As I said before, as I said back in May, um, qualified immunity is not the most important thing in the bill. That's just what's talked about the most in uh, the media. All right. Uh, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2021 will work to end racial and religious profiling. Then that breaks down the three bullet points. Let's see. Let's see if we can blow this up here. And then also go to Congress.gov, Congress.gov and read the bill. You can read what's in the bill at Congress.gov. You can read all, all the bills coming from the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate whether they get passed or not, you can read all those bills at congress.gov. You can read who sponsored the bill. You can read if you're a member of the House of Representatives and if you're a member of the U.S. Senate has signed on to support the bill or not. This is what I tell people who want reparations. Like, have you gone to congress.gov and looked at H.R. 40 to see who supports the bill? Only people that support the bill are, are Democrats. No Republicans support H.R. 40. H.R. 40 has 190 co-sponsors. 190 members of the House of Representatives that signed on to support H.R. 40. None of them are Republicans. Now, how many in the Senate you think will support H.R. 40? And you need 60 votes in the Senate to pass the bill. And the only black Republican in the Senate has said he's not voting for reparations. That's Senator Tim Scott. He said he ain't voting for reparations. How many white Republicans you think gonna vote for in the Senate? This is um, H.R. 1280 at congress.gov, 117th Congress, 117th Congress was sworn in January 3rd, 2021. Sponsor of the bill, Representative Karen Bass of the Congressional Black Caucus. She's black for those that don't know. You can go, you can scroll through, you can look at an overview of the bill. Let me see, let me take this off here. You can scroll through, you can look at an overview of the bill. And you can look at uh, who, the who the co sponsors of the bill are. So let's look at this roll call passed Senate, passed the House of Representatives. Uh, view subjects. 
do, do legislative process policy let's go uh share back to this bill all actions okay newest oldest bill history congressional record but you can go through you can look and see who uh supported the bill when the vote took place bill history congressional records you can go through and look at all that okay and they have a summary of the bill also that you can look at all right now if we go back here let's see legislation tracker yeah okay passed the house oversight introduced justice act 117th congress 518 resolution all right you can go through look at all that that goes back to uh the 116th congress last year and all right if we go back and look at this um fact sheet so it works to end racial and religious profiling it saves uh that's uh, one two it saves lives by banning chokeholds and no knock warrants and there's a breakdown of that ban chokeholds and uh, uh carotid uh holds at the federal level and con and conditions law enforcement uh funding for state and uh governments banning chokeholds go read the rest of that three limit military equipment on american streets by uh and requires body cameras four hold police accountable in court hold police accountable in court the george floyd justice and policing act makes it easier to prosecute let's see we can scroll over here Zoom in and we can scroll over. It makes it easier to prosecute offending officers by amending the federal criminal statute to prosecute police misconduct. The, the mens rea requirement in 18 U.S.C. Section 242 would be amended from willfulness, willful intent to recklessness, to a recklessness standard. This is this is criminal prosecution. Qualified immunity is a civil lawsuit. You're not going to prison over the civil lawsuit. You go to prison over this. A bigger deterrent is prosecuting officers and putting them in prison than them having to pay a civil lawsuit. Going to prison and having your rights taken away is a bigger deterrent than having to pay a civil lawsuit, having to pay monetary damages. Now, uh, it also, under hold police accountable in court, it also enables individuals to recover damages in civil court when uh, law enforcement officers violate their constitutional rights by eliminating qualified immunity for law enforcement. That's the qualified immunity part, but you can take that out and get the rest of this stuff in the bill passed. This is what I said back in May. Next, it investigate police misconduct. You can read that. Next, empower our communities to reimagine police, to, to reimagine public safety in an equitable and just way. There's a breakdown of that. Next, change the culture of law enforcement 
with training to build integrity and trust, okay, uh, requires the uh, creation of law enforcement accreditation, standard recommendations based on President Obama's task force on 21st century policing, which was dismantled by Donald Trump because Donald Trump was against uh, police reform. He was against uh, investigating police departments. Okay, his administration took a hands-off approach to policing, including his attorney, his first attorney general, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, which, and when Jeff Sessions became attorney general in 2017, Jeff Sessions tried to back out of the consent decrees that the Obama administration entered into with the Baltimore Police Department and the Chicago Police Department, the Chicago Police Department and the Baltimore Police Department. A federal judge would not allow the Trump Department of Justice to back out of those agreements because they were totally against uh, holding police accountable. Okay, so uh, we have this requirement, okay, creates law enforcement development training programs, studies to impact laws or rules that allow a law enforcement officer to, to delay answers to questions posed by investigators of law enforcement misconduct. See, that deals with the police officer's bill of rights. Um, okay, read the rest of that. Improve transparency by collecting data on police misconduct and use of force. That's that's really important. Creates a nationwide police misconduct registry to prevent problematic officers uh, who are fired or leave one agency from moving to another jurisdiction without accountability. That's the date. That's the nationwide database. Stop sexual assault in law enforcement custody. Okay, that's huge as well. So read this here. We'll post the link. Read all this. This is the fact sheet on what's in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act 2021. This is at uh, judiciaryhouse, judiciary.house.gov, judiciary.house.gov, which in house.gov is the official website of the U.S. House of Representatives. All right, let's go to this other story quickly. Um, let's go to, uh, we'll deal with day one in the R. Kelly trial, okay? Uh, I want to go to this clip here. This is from the Black News Channel. Uh, my girl Candace Kelly uh, was on the morning show, and we, uh, sometimes we're panelists together on Roller Martin Unfiltered. She was breaking down uh, opening arguments uh, of uh, day one of the R. Kelly uh, trial. Let's go to this clip, uh, Shakita. and his team ready to defend, really, for his life, um, because he could never see the light of day again. What will we hear, um, likely, from attorneys on both sides during opening statements? Well, this is a time where attorneys want to paint the picture. What's the story that they want the jurors to hear during deliberations at the end of this trial, which should be in about four or five weeks? They're going to paint the story of a man with power who, over the past 30 years, has gotten away with this not only because of the power, but because the public, people, let him get away with it. They're going to take a picture of witnesses who were scared years ago in 2008 in the child pornography case that he got off on that are now ready to speak. When we think about that 2008 case, there was a young woman who even her parents wouldn't identify her. Her, her cousin or her relative, Sparkle, the recording artist, identified her, but the parents wouldn't identify her. A friend of hers identified her. But we're going to hear from people, and we're going to hear from them in a different way. The defense is going to paint a picture of witnesses who have, in fact, changed their stories over the years. 
and how the girls were willing participants. So their goal is going to be to punch holes and witness testimony and credibility. That's going to be the key, and that's probably what we're going to hear today. It'll be an uphill battle, though, right, uh, Candace? You're yes. a lawyer, but R. Kelly is facing multiple charges. Um, take us through the most serious ones. Yeah, well, let's kick it off with this racketeering and the RICO charges, and that's really the top one there because they're saying that R. Kelly actually ran an enterprise. And I know we have a graphic about that because after that we have kidnapping, all right? Then there's sexual exploitation of a child, forced labor, bribery, because they're saying that he did bribe someone in order to falsify records for Aaliyah, um, Man Act violations. And when we talk about the Man Act, we're talking about transporting young women across state lines for purposes of engaging in prostitution. So all of those are a really big deal on their own. And he collectively has all of these charges from racketeering all the way down to the Man Act violations that his defense team is going to have to figure out how he can circumvent all of these charges because they certainly have the receipt to prove this around those spaces. This, is, this indictment would have never happened. Yeah, let's stick with racketeering, if we can, Candace, because it's always intrigued me as a lay person. It seems that the government, particularly the best, when they have uh, all the resources in the world against any defendant, even ones that we don't like, racketeering seems like, to a lay person, uh, like the government just playing by their own rules, like, okay, we're going to get a, a nice umbrella insurance policy here, because mm -hmm. some people have argued that R. Kelly... He was not running a formal enterprise. You know, we think of the mafia and the like. Um, so how can these charges apply? So when we think of the mafia, right, we do think about RICO, and that's how they, the feds got, you know, pulled down a, a lot of those people who were part of the mafia. In the mafia, you've got the, the, the boss and associate and family members. You've got soldiers. There really is a structure. So a lot of people, and I've been reading this online, a lot of comments say, how can they get him for racketeering? He wasn't running a criminal enterprise. Well, the Supreme Court actually made a decision in 2009 to discuss what a criminal enterprise looked like. And they said, you know, it doesn't have to be formal in the way that we think about the Latin kings or the mafia. If you have a loose group of associates, a loose group of friends, and that in that circle, you understand that someone at the top wanted something to happen that was illegal. You do, in fact, have racketeering or criminal enterprise. And that in this case, R. Kelly was the head of this. And that everybody from his managers to his drivers to, uh, to his promotional tour managers, everybody knew his goal was to get young women in its fold and to sexually exploit them. So that's kind of how they are saying that this, in fact, was a criminal enterprise and, and reaches the um, level of, of the definition as, as regarded by the law. You know, and I seize upon your phrase, everybody knew. Um, and so what I want to ask you is, who are the key witnesses? Because if this was going on for so long, they're out there, um, not just his alleged victims. Um, so who are the key witnesses, Candace, who will take the stand? So as you mentioned, the alleged victims, not only the accusers, but people who aren't even a part of this case, we're going to hear about them, hear what they have, what R. Kelly allegedly did to them over the past 30 years. We certainly are going to hear from the bodyguards and security guards, uh, the man in particular that was at his wedding with Aaliyah, at his marriage ceremony with Aaliyah. We will hear voices from the grave of Aaliyah. 
because of the this whole idea that R. Kelly bribed someone in order to falsify records so that she could marry him when she was 15 and he was much older, I believe, the age of 27. We're going to hear from parents who have never spoken before. Um, and then we're going to hear from uh, Azriel Clary. A lot of people know her name. Uh, Joycelyn Savage. These are people who appeared on TV and said, listen, I'm in love with him. We're in this marriage. Might be a threesome, foursome, fivesome, but I'm not here against my will. Well, they changed their stories. So we're going to hear from a lot of people. And we're going to hear from Sparkle again. She will probably take the stand mm -hmm. as she did in the 2008 case. So many, many people. This is going to be witness after witness telling a story that has expanded 30 years. All right. So that is uh, from the Black News Channel. That was from uh, today. That's dealing with uh, opening arguments in the uh, R. Kelly trial. Um, those watching on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael and Hotel, keep watching. We're going to keep broadcasting. We'll talk a little bit briefly about this story from the New York Times. R. Kelly trial opens with an accuser's searing testimony. That is uh, Geronda Pace, who uh, alleged she was 16 years old when uh, R&B singer R. Kelly invited her to his home in the Chicago area. He told her to strip off her clothes and eventually had sex with her. She, uh, she told a jury on Wednesday. All right, look, I'll be at the uh, 30th Annual African World Festival on uh, Friday, August 20th, uh, Friday, August 20th through uh, Sunday, August 22nd. I'll be in the Peck Park area of the festival. The festival this year is all outdoors. I have a vendor booth there. Come by and check us out. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll have more information on tomorrow's show. And uh, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We'll keep broadcasting for a few more minutes. Remember, right now is correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Stand by. Okay, uh, let's keep going. All right, if you like this type of information, also you can support the African History Network. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. Or at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. This helps us keep doing the research. Uh, stay on the air. Keep broadcasting. Um, pay some of the bills, etc. Okay, and we're here six days a week. All right. Let's keep going. And this is our official Cash App account, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. When you go to it, it shows my name. It says Michael, and it shows my picture there. As well, these other ones are fake African History Network cash app accounts. All right, I want to go back to um, I'll go back to the story here. Um, NBC News has a good piece dealing with uh, R. Kelly's on trial in Brooklyn. Here's what you need to know. It gives an overview of this case. Washington Post has uh, one also that gives an overview of this case as well. But I want to zoom in on this right here, the charges. R. Kelly was charged in July 2019 with racketeering based on sexual exploitation of children 
kidnapping, forced labor, and Man Act violations. Man Act violations that deals with uh, uh, really slavery. Uh, Man Act violation. Man Act. I think that was 1910. Uh, charges involving the coercion and transportation of women and girls in interstate commerce to to engage in illegal sexual activity. Uh, that's the Man Act, according to a Department of Justice news release. Now, the singer's entourage and his employees, managers, bodyguards, drivers, personal assistants, runners for R. Kelly, alleged rec uh, allegedly recruited women and girls to engage in illegal sexual activity with him and arranged for victims to travel to concerts and other events across the U.S. according to court documents. Um, Angela Menendez, Angel, I'm sorry, Angel Menendez, a special agent in charge from Homeland Security Investigations, because Homeland Security was part of, uh, was uh, investigating uh, R. Kelly uh, at one point. Um, Angel Menendez, special agent in charge of special agent from Homeland Security Investigations, said when the charges were announced, quote, for two decades, the enterprise at the direction of R. Kelly preyed upon young women and teenagers whose dreams of meeting a superstar soon turned into a nightmare of rape, child pornography and forced labor, end quote. Now, federal prosecutors allege that R. Kelly forced his victims to follow various rules. They were not allowed uh, to leave their room without his permission, including to go to the bathroom or eat. And they were required to call him, quote unquote, daddy, according to court documents. The charges involve six women and girls, six women and girls. The trial in Brooklyn is the second time R. Kelly has been prosecuted. He was acquitted on child pornography charges in 2008 when he was 41. Now, the uh, defense who has been in, uh, R. Kelly has been in federal custody since 2019, pleaded not guilty to racketeering, bribery, coercion, uh, enticement, and sex trafficking. He also has pleaded not guilty to sex-related charges in Illinois and Minnesota. Uh, Douglas Anton, one of R. R. Kelly's singers, I mean, one of R. Kelly's lawyers, one of the singer's lawyers, has blasted the accusers as, quote unquote, disgruntled groupies who were dying to be with him and accused them of coming forward with their allegations to join what he described as the hashtag Me Too bandwagon, the hashtag Me Too bandwagon. Um, attorney Anton said, quote, your honor in this New York case, he said, uh, your honor, this New York case amounts to nothing more than groupie remorse. Um, attorney Anton wrote in part in a letter to U.S. District Judge Ann M. Donnelly dated July 30th, 2019, according to a public court uh, filing. And it is a U.S. District Judge Ann M. Donnelly who was presiding over this case. Now, 
I want to go to uh, this clip here from. I want to go to this clip here from uh, NBC News now. I'm gonna let me cue this up here. This talked about what happened in the trial today. There was uh, opening uh, statements today, and then the trial began. Uh, let me cue this up here. Prosecutors describe R. Kelly as predator in opening statement of sex trafficking trial. Okay, we'll go to that here in just a second. Then read uh, this piece here from the New York Times. Washington Post has a good article that gives an overview of the case as well. Uh, what to know about R. Kelly's trial for sex trafficking and racketeering charges. That's from um, August 18th, 2021, also from the Washington Post. But let's look at this here. Okay. Can we? All right, let's cue this up just a second. We'll go to that in just a second. Let's look at this here from New York Times. A woman said, um, a woman said R. Kelly sexually and physically abused her when she was 16. That was uh, Geronda Pace. The first time, uh, the first time uh, one, the R &B, one of the R&B stars, several accusers, has ever taken the stand in a criminal case. Now, so they talk about Geronda Pace. Uh, okay, Maria Cruz Melendez, an assistant U.S. attorney, told the jury. Uh, where is that? Hold on. Just an updated. So Geronda Pace um, first met R. Kelly when she was 16. Um, she, he was someone that she idolized. But over the next six months, she testified in a Brooklyn courtroom on Wednesday. R. Kelly had sex with her, sex with her while she was underage and physically and emotionally abused her. Um, after, so she's now 28 years old. She was the first of uh, R. Kelly accusers to ever testify against the R&B star. Let's see here. Where is, okay. Only second time. This is an updated version of the story from earlier when I read this story. The sweeping nine count indictment uh, R. Kelly faces on charges of racketeering and violations of the Mann Act and interstate anti-prostitution law is centered on R. Kelly's interactions with six women and girls, including Geronda Pace. Uh, the other five women involved in the case include the singer Aaliyah, who died in the 2001 plane crash and whose brief marriage to R. Kelly at 15 years old was among the first revelations to fuel questions over his conduct. So that dealing with R. Kelly, that, that dealing with Aaliyah ties into an allegation that he found out she was pregnant uh, when she was underage and wanted her to get an abortion, uh, no, get married, and 
uh, they had to forge documents for her to get married. Okay, because she was underage. Let's see. Uh, okay, Maria Melendez, an assistant U.S. attorney, said this case is about a predator. She told the jury on Wednesday in opening statements. Uh, Mr. Kelly said he was a star whose public persona allowed him to use, quote, his fame, his popularity, and a network of people at his disposal to target, groom, and, and exploit young girls, boys, and women for his own sexual gratification, end quote. Okay. Uh, in her opening arguments, uh, Ms. Cruz Melendez cast R. Kelly, 54, as a serial manipulator who used his access granted by his fame to prey on his fans. Now, let's see here. Two women. Uh, what is credibility? Okay, it changes. They updated this article here. I'm going through looking at my notes. Just bear with me. Because the article when I printed up was six pages. So hold on. I read the entire article. This is the one from the New York Times. Uh, page three. Do they have this still here? Talk about Harvey Weinstein. When Pace told him that she was a virgin. Here's a. Okay. Okay. Uh, R. Kelly's trial follows several similar high-profile cases over accusations of sexual assault, including the trials of Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein and uh, actor-comedian Bill Cosby. But this case, but the case also stands apart. In Harvey Weinstein's case, which touched off a national reckoning around sexual abuse, many of the women who came forward were actresses and models and they were mostly white. Where Harvey Weinstein, the majority of those accusers were white women, as were many of those at the center of accusations in the most prominent cases uh, across business, politics, media, and entertainment. Now, the majority of R. Kelly's accusers are African-American women. And I said this before, many people don't care when black women and girls are sexually abused, molested, what have you. Quote, I do think it matters a lot that this is the first high profile Me Too era trial where the accusers for the most part are not white women, said uh, Deborah uh, Turkmeyer, uh, Turkheimer, a professor of law at Northwestern University and former assistant district attorney in Manhattan. If you take these kinds of accusers who have traditionally been most dismissed, most disregarded, most cast aside, and those women are able to be believed and have jurors care enough to convict, that matters, she said, and that would send a powerful message. Okay, now, uh, read the rest of this article here, because this is when I printed it up earlier today, it was six pages. They've added to it, 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 it uh, looks like, because it was updated. Um, R. Kelly trial opens with an accuser's serial uh, searing testimony. This is from uh, August 18th, 2021. All right, I want to go to this clip here from um, 
This is from NBC News Now. Let's go to this clip about the trial. Uh, prosecutors describe R. Kelly as predator in opening statement of sex trafficking trial. Opening statements are underway in the sex trafficking trial of R&B singer R. Kelly. Kelly, who has long faced accusations of sexual abuse, has been charged with coercing and transporting minors to engage in sex. He's pleaded not guilty to all charges and has denied any wrongdoing. NBC News correspondent Ron Allen joins us now from outside the district courthouse in Brooklyn. Uh, Ron, set this up for us. What's happening in court today? It's been a very intense morning, Aaron, from both sides, the prosecution and defense laying out their opening statements to the jury. The prosecution went first, and they described R. Kelly as a predator, to use their words, who used his fame and popularity to target, groom, and exploit young women and girls and boys as well. They say he used lies, manipulation, threats, physical abuse to dominate his victims, and that he was hiding his crimes in plain sight, as they put it, recruiting, finding women at uh, concerts, other venues, and essentially bringing them into what the prosecution says was a criminal enterprise that was all about his own sexual gratification. The defense, on the other hand, was unsparing. They came out very aggressive as well and basically said that all these women are lying and that it's all a lot of drama. Uh, they kept saying to the jury, use your common sense. Uh, that, that, in fact, these were consensual relationships uh, that perhaps in some cases ended badly and that these women are being spiteful and that they've made money off of R. Kelly with books and TV appearances and, and all the notoriety that's happened over the past number of years. So a lot of back and forth. Later this afternoon, we expect to hear from one of the first prosecution witnesses, which we expect to be one of the women. There are six women at the, at the uh, crux of the case. Whose, whose allegations form the basis of the uh, of the case, but there are many others who may be uh, uh, other cases that may be referred to or other alleged victims who may come forward uh, because of the racketeering charge, because the prosecution is essentially saying that R. Kelly committed a series of crimes over a long period of time and that this was a, essentially a criminal enterprise, like mm. organized crime, like the mafia, right. that was going on for a very long time. All right. Um, Ron Allen for us uh, in Brooklyn, New York today. Ron, thank you. Okay, that's Ron Allen for uh, NBC News. Now, uh, let's go to, let's go to also read this piece here from the Washington Post. Uh, it's a really good overview of the case. Uh, what to know about R. Kelly's trial for sex trafficking and racketeering charges. What to know about R. Kelly's trial for sex trafficking and uh, racketeering charges. This is from uh, um, August 18th. Okay. It's a really good overview of the case. It breaks it down. All right. Uh, the rest of the stuff we'll get to tomorrow. We talked a little bit about uh, uh, Senator Raphael Warnock. We'll talk some more about that story tomorrow. Uh, Proud Boys uh, supporter uh, pleads guilty to threatening uh, Senator Raphael Warnock. We'll talk about the uh, story uh, dealing with Mississippi. Uh, what is that? Mississippi, over 20,000 Mississippi students. This is a piece from NBC News I saw uh, right before coming on the air. And let me see something here. It's crazy what's going on with coronavirus and schools are opening 
in uh, the South right now, children going back to school in the South. Up North, uh, a lot of students go back to school after uh, Labor Day, okay? And let's see, students, so early September, a lot of uh, schools up North are gonna uh, open back up. Look at this here from NBC News. Over 20,000 uh, 20, Mississippi students, over 20,000 Mississippi students in COVID quarantine after first week of school. So this is a crazy story. We talked about Florida on yesterday's show and how you have these idiotic uh, Republican governors uh, who are not taking the proper precautions. So, you know, well, it was uh, two days ago we talked about Florida. That was, uh, we talked about uh, Florida, I think that was, whatever, yeah, that was, yes, that was uh, on the 17th. We, we talked about the story dinner with Florida More than 8,000 Florida students in one school district, in one school district, isolate or quarantine amid local COVID surge. All right, this is Washington Post. Now, this is not saying all 8,000 students have coronavirus. That's not what it's saying. It's saying they were possibly exposed to coronavirus and have to quarantine. Um, a Florida school, uh, a Florida school board is set to hold an emergency meeting uh, this week to consider a mass mandate as more than 8,000 students and hundreds of employees in its district are in isolation or quarantine because of a surge in coronavirus cases and possible exposure. So this is uh, Hillsborough County Public Schools in Florida. Hillsborough County Public Schools is a school district. The school district includes Tampa, Florida. Uh, 8,000 as of this article, August 17th, 2021, 8,400 students and 307 staff members are either in isolation because of a positive coronavirus test or in quarantine after coming into close contact with someone who tested positive. District spokesperson Tanya Arja told the Washington Post on Tuesday. So this is not saying all 8,400 students have coronavirus. That's not what it's saying. Okay, but read this full article. It's still disturbing enough because if you're a, if you're a parent and your child comes home because they have to quarantine and you're trying to figure out, okay, does my child have it or not? We're going to get them tested, but then they have to isolate at home. Some people, because of their living conditions, they can't isolate. They can't separate. They can't quarantine at, at home. All right. Now, maybe if you live, you know, in Bel Air. You can go and stay in the pool house, right? Like on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you can go stay in the pool house or something like that, right? Away from the family. Everybody can't do that. But this is because of Governor Ron DeSantis who banned mass mandates, okay? Now, in Mississippi, another former Confederate state like Florida and Texas, over 20,000 Mississippi students in COVID-19 quarantine after first week of school. A grieving aunt whose teen niece died from COVID-19 in Mississippi said, quote, I found out Friday it was a positive test and then on Saturday she passed, end quote. 
I think there's going to be a class action lawsuit against some of these governors that are not taking proper precautions. I think there's going to be a class, especially in Florida and in Texas. And we just found out yesterday that uh, uh, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, Republican, tested positive for COVID-19 after speaking uh, on Monday to a group of 600, 600 supporters. And most of them were not wearing masks. Okay. Indoors, not wearing masks, most of them. More than 20,000 students in Mississippi are in quarantine from exposure to uh, the coronavirus, accounting for about 5% of the state's public school uh, students, according to state data. Now, as infection rates increase across the country, uh, because of the highly transmissible Delta variant of the coronavirus, the state of Mississippi has been hit particularly hard since students returned to classes August 9th, August 9th. There were 20,334 students in quarantine after the first week of school, which ended Friday. So that was uh, Friday, August 13th, according to data from the state health department. Now, during that week, 4,521 students also contracted coronavirus, bringing the total of students who have tested positive since the beginning of August 2021 to 5,933, the health department reported. Now, teachers and staff members from 803 schools from, seven, from 74 counties that reported to the state also fared poorly teachers and staff members from 803 schools in Mississippi from 74 counties that reported to the state also fared poorly. State records show 948 teachers and staff tested positive for COVID-19 from uh, August 9th to Friday, August 13th. That's just the first week of school, 948 teachers. These teachers have families. These teachers have children at home, husbands, wives, they have parents, grandparents, things like this. State records show that 948 teachers and staff tested positive for COVID-19 from August 9th to Friday, August 13th, just the first week of school. A total of 1,496 teachers and staff members have contracted the coronavirus since the beginning of August, 2021 in Mississippi, a total of 1,496 teachers and staff members have contracted coronavirus since August 2021. We're not through with August. And as of the end of last week, which ended August, Friday, August 13th, 1,463 teachers and staff members were being quarantined because of exposure to the virus. In Mississippi, less than 36% of residents are fully vaccinated, according to government data from earlier in the week. The state epidemiologist, Dr. Paul Byers, told reporters Wednesday that the number of students who are in quarantine is dramatic. Quote, when you look at a number like 20,000 students that are on quarantine in any given week, that exceeds what we've experienced. When we were at our previous peak for the impact 
on the schools. Now, because of, end quote, so because of the high quarantine numbers among students and staff members, at least 29 schools have opted to, quote, go viral, go, sorry, go virtual for a short time in order to interrupt transmission. Okay, Dr. Byer said. Now, coronavirus infection rates among children ages 5 to 17 have increased sharply, and children ages 6 to 10 account for a lot of the new cases, Dr. Byer said. Now, we posted this. Uh, okay, so this will translate to potentially more hospitalizations of children under the age of 18, and unfortunately, we may see additional deaths. Um, okay, now the a teenager died. We posted the story of Michaela, Michaela Robinson, 13 years old, eighth grader. There was an article from thegrill.com. She died. She was a student in Mississippi, died of coronavirus. Um, we, we posted that story. Uh, she she passed away Saturday in Smith County in uh, Mississippi. Uh, Megan Reed, her aunt, said. Uh, Megan Reed said, I found out Friday it was a positive test. And then on Saturday, she passed. She was healthy, perfectly healthy. Um, her aunt, Megan Reed of Atlanta, last saw Michaela in August. She said her, her late niece was an A student who had Ivy League aspirations and played in the school band. She wanted to attend Harvard. She was very smart, very caring, very kind. She was a nurturer. Uh, it's devastating to all of us. So a fundraiser for Michaela has been raised, has 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 raised had raised nearly seven thousand five hundred dollars from 139 donors went by Wednesday afternoon. The fundraiser's goal is twenty thousand. Um, okay. A Facebook post from the uh, Raleigh High School Lion Pride student band described her as the perfect student. And every teacher loved her and wanted uh, 30 more like her. The post said, please pray for Raleigh Junior High, the band, and especially the family as they deal with this. All right. Now, in Mississippi, multiple emergency field hospitals have opened in Mississippi since last week to accommodate the rising number of hospitalizations from the coronavirus, the state's only children's hospital has converted parts of its garage into a makeshift hospital. And there's a there's a lack of hospitals in the South in the first place. That deals with uh, legislation that deals with funding. Uh, the state health officer, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, said many of those racing to the hospital will be young. And let me see here. Is this is not mandating? Where is that? Do we have that here? Governor Tate Reeves, Governor Tate Reeves, a Republican governor of Mississippi, is not mandating masks in schools. Instead, he is leaving it up to school districts. 
NBC affiliate WLBT of Jackson reported uh, Governor Reeves has criticized the Centers uh, for Disease Control and Prevention's updated policy on masking, calling it foolish and harmful. Yeah, but you got 36% of your population uh, vaccinated. I think you I think you need to mandate masks in school. That just makes sense. The, the, schools are about to become super spreaders. Okay? Schools are about to become super spreaders. In Mississippi, less than 36% of residents are fully vaccinated. These schools are about to become super spreaders. In one week, over 20,000 Mississippi students in COVID quarantine after the first week of school. Now, this is not saying all 20,000 have coronavirus, but they have to quarantine because they were possibly exposed to coronavirus. All right. But we know during uh, the first week of school, 4,520, uh, 4,521 students also contracted coronavirus, bringing the total of students who have tested positive since the beginning of August 2021 to 5,933, the health department reported. This is just in Mississippi. This is crazy. See, this is what happens when you when you this is what happens when you don't have responsible governors. The governor is a powerful, powerful position and, and you're dealing with people's judgment. And when you have bad judgment, people die. When you have bad judgment, people die. All right. Uh, be sure to register for the uh, new 10 week online course I teach on Saturdays. From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Uh, we deal with uh, that little more than 100-year period of history, starting with the last year of the Civil War and chattel slavery ending. And we go through Reconstruction, 1865 to 1877, the Jim Crow era, uh, World War I, World War II, uh, Harlem Renaissance, uh, Race Man, um, Black Wall Street, UNIA, uh, Marcus Garvey, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We scroll down the page. Uh, we have information about our radio show. We're here six days a week and information there how to listen to podcasts. And then um, we have the information here for the uh, class. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. So you can, they're archived. You can go back and watch them over and over again. As soon as you register, you can watch uh, last week's class. We have uh, some bonus content there you can watch as well. Uh, on the next page, click on Enroll, and you can start watching the content as soon as you register. Um, so we have classes one through four already archived. You can check that out. We'll post a link here to uh, register for the class also. And then the other online course I teach is uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. That's at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com uh, as well. That, and we deal with thousands of years of history, and we deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade uh, taking place. That is right here that online course also and all my dvd lectures and digital downloads are available at our website africanhistorynetwork.com all right the 38th annual uh, african world festival 
It's taking place at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. It's taking place Friday, August 20th through uh, Sunday, August 22nd. It's free and open to the public. The whole festival is outdoors this year. The entire festival is outdoors this year. All the vendors are outdoors. Uh, we'll have a vendor booth in the Peck Park area of uh, the festival. This is at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, um, 315 East Warren Avenue. Visit theright.org, W-R-I-G-H-T, theright.org, uh, W-R-I-G-H-T, uh, for more information. You can visit their website. They have the information uh, right on the homepage. And as soon as you... Um, When you go to the website, click right here, schedule your visit. No, not schedule your visit. That's not what I want. Uh, I want um, right here, explore the incredible offerings for the African World Festival. Right there, it takes you to the next page. And then they have a schedule here, okay? Uh, so they have information uh, about parking, COVID protocols, um, all that information. You can download the full schedule as well. Okay, they have the sponsors. They have uh, uh, clothing you can purchase, gear, hats, things like that. And we'll look at uh, the schedule. Click on download full schedule. And the opening ceremony is Friday, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. We had uh, Piper Carter, who is the coordinator for the Detroit Rocks the Runway uh, fashion show that takes place uh, Friday, uh, 8 p.m., okay, on the main stage. And then Sunshine Anderson, uh, R&B singer Sunshine Anderson, is performing on the main stage, 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. So they have the full schedule here. So check that out at uh, theright.org for the 38th Annual African World Festival. Festival did not take, oh, let's see, hold on, scroll over. The festival did not take place um, in 2020 because of coronavirus, okay, because of COVID-19. Um, we did not have the festival. I'm usually there each year in some capacity. A lot of times I'm a vendor. Sometimes I'm a vendor and do lectures inside the museum. Inside the museum is closed this year because of COVID, so there are no lectures inside. So I'll be giving presentations at my, at my booth. Okay, and uh, here's the schedule here, okay? So you can download the schedule also. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember, the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Uh, it's not over till we win Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our story, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting, LLC, 
and technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that will satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today.